0: Rise and shine, wonderful audience! It's a new day, and it's a new episode. This week, we are celebrating audio fiction with Fred Greenhalgh, our executive producer, and the students of his recently completed How to Make Audio Fiction course. It's good to be back, right here on Radio Drama Revival. back to Radio Drama Revival, the podcast that showcases the diversity and vitality of modern audio fiction. I'm your host, Elena Fernandez-Collins, and I'm delighted to bring you this special episode to come back from our summer hiatus. Fred Greenhalge has been working with audio fiction for a long time, and he's a wonderful teacher. So when he offered to have us play the completed fiction pieces his class developed here at RDR, we couldn't say no. What you're about to listen to is the graduation event of this class, where each finalized short audio piece is played, originally streamed live on Bonfire Radio and hosted by Fred himself. So without further ado, I'll let Fred take you in, just like old times.
1: Hey, this is Fred Greenhalgh, So excited for you to join me here today. Um, excited to share some student work for my first online audio drama class uh called So You Wanna Make Audio Drama with Fred. Um started that, uh offered it back in April because just the way, way thing everything was going with COVID, it felt like I wanted to give something back to the world and i I'd, I'd been interested in sharing um, you know, what I've picked up over the last yeah more years than I want to talk about in audio drama, and I was so excited to see uh, over 50 people sign up for the course, filled it up in like 48 hours, and had this wonderful diverse group of folks uh, from, you know, uh, UK, US, Australia, New Zealand, Italy, I think think there was someone from Brazil as well, Um, all over the world interested in this art form. And uh, yeah, and it, it we did that for five weeks, two hours each week, just um, in my sort of you know, off the cuff <laughs> way, uh, trying to share everything I know about how to make one of these audio fiction pieces uh, from you know, how do you come up with an idea? How, what does a script look like? How do you get actors? How do you record actors? How do you put it into an editing program? How do you add sound effects and music and get it out to the world, all that stuff. So I stuffed as much as I possibly could, into that course. And I also asked uh, those students to make stuff. So um, that's what you're going to hear today. And I want to give a huge shout out to TK Dutez uh, for giving me some space here at Bonfire Radio. Uh, I just, I love being live. I have, I don't really have like the on-air sign here uh, at my home office, but I do have like a little red 48 volt button on my scarlet. So I'll I'll call it that. Um, I forgot how much live to air stuff is so fun. Um, That was kind of how I cut my own teeth in this format back when I started Radio Run Revival in 2007, um, was with a community radio station. Um, Still have a very, very soft spot in my heart for community radio. To me, that's really where like the best stuff in radio, what remains of radio is happening. You know, community radio as a form was, um, you know, this place where Voices that weren't heard on commercial radio had a home. Um, They are mostly all non-commercial, sometimes by law, and they get to have eclectic, weird, quirky voices, uh, conversations about stuff that you don't hear on mainstream radio, and audio drama. Um, And so, you know, there's just something magical about uh, pressing play and having to make all your stuff work and send it out to the world. So I'm super grateful to have that opportunity today to spin a live show for you um, and of course you make mistakes like not putting your uh, gain up when the show starts but anyway so thank you tk for giving me the space thank you this amazing group of students for signing up and listening to what i had to say for the course of five weeks and for making cool programming so i'm gonna not talk your ear off we're gonna be here for about two hours this afternoon and the first piece is by race mcrae um, and it's called heart this is a uh, romantic comedy of sorts i think you'll enjoy so we'll get right into it um and again uh everything you hear today was created in you know roughly a month and a half's time um the students at the beginning of the class uh were assigned into groups not everybody took up the opportunity to be in a group others um uh made stuff on their own um and i believe that's the case for race so uh and i you know i didn't actually check pronunciation so if race might just put your name i'm so sorry um But we will be here soon talking, hearing about HeartSight, a fun little story about a dating app. Uh, Things don't go quite as expected.
2: Uh, Excuse me, could you let my server know that Adam is here? We're old friends, and I'm hoping to talk to him before my date arrives. Sure thing. Adam, hey,
3: how are you? Is every other restaurant in the city closed, or did you walk into this dive by mistake?
2: I'm on a date, actually. I figure he's more likely to notice how charming I am if we can both complain about the bad service behind your back. That, and I'm hoping you won't mind helping out an old friend.
3: Adam Parker, are you
2: going to propose? It's just a first date, and I actually haven't even... I mean, do you know the dating app HeartSite? You haven't even met him? The service will have to be pretty bad indeed. I haven't even seen his picture, but his name's Jamie, and we've sent so many kissy face emojis in the last two weeks that my phone screen broke. Plus, he's sweet, witty, and brilliant. I'd hate for anyone to imagine me ugly crying at the end of Bridget Jones's diary, but at this point, my heart's melting like a pint of Ben and Jerry's in a tanning bed. But...
3: I knew it. When I was in love with Teresa, you threw every butt in the world at me. And yes, okay, she turned out to be an environmental terrorist, but you hated her before you knew that. I knew she was wrong for you.
2: Th- that's the real reason I'm here. If Jamie and me, if you get that vibe, then you need to give me a sign. I- I'm-, I'm practically drunk on his email, so I'll be lucky if we make it past appetizers without leaving to get a room.
3: Okay, but real talk. If I say he's not the right guy for you, you have to listen. Because I've already got a whole handbag of concerns.
4: Why? Enjoy your dinner, madam.
5: Adam, it's so lovely to meet you. Are you alright?
6: Oops.
3: Oh No, I'm, I'm such a klutz. It must be a sign that I shouldn't be a server. Why doesn't Adam come to the kitchen with me to dry off? I'll bring him right back. So about Jamie? Do you think Dating Woman Now will be more disastrous than it was in college, or just about the same?
2: I didn't know! Heartside asks all those invasive questions. I just assumed that—and and, and I am certain I said I was gay. That was like the first question.
3: I'd say this is the fastest someone's realized why online dating is terrible, but your face tells me there's still plenty of realization left to go.
2: It's just that we had such a good connection in his emails. Her emails? Maybe HeartSight knows me better than I know myself, and I'm actually attracted to men and women. Or he's just super femme.
3: If that person's a femme guy, then I'm questioning my own sexuality. Because she, or he, or they, look way too good in that dress for the heartbreak you're about to deliver.
2: But this doesn't have to be a deal-breaker, does it? This is... Heart sight, after all, they don't make mistakes.
3: And yet they failed to notice your attraction to stubble, button downs, and bulging biceps. You just asked me to be a reality check, and now with every alarm going, wee wee, you've shoved your fingers so far in your ears, I'm concerned about brain damage. I have to give her a chance, or I'll give you a chance to pretend to have food poisoning so you can still catch Saturday Night Live.
7: Order
3: up. Wish me luck.
2: Sorry to leave you like that. At least now we have something we can laugh about on our second date. None of it spilled on that fantastic dress, I hope.
5: If you plan to win me over through sheer confidence, I'd say that ship sailed mere moments after I sat down. Flattery is definitely the better way forward, though it'll take more than that to earn a second date.
2: What are my current chances? On the second date, I mean.
5: Diminishing. I'm realizing we need to get a few things straight here. You're not a con man, a grifter...
2: Would I say so if I was?
5: You're not reassuring me.
2: Sorry, no, I am not a con man. Unless you're about to tell me you're an easy mark.
5: Hardly. Have you ever cheated on a boyfriend? (laughs) Excuse me? Okay, then. What's your longest relationship? Uh,
2: Nineteen months.
5: And are you committed to this relationship? Or is it just a hookup?
3: Good evening, and may I say how beautiful you look. Madam?
5: Madam will be fine.
3: My name's Seth, and I'll be taking care of you tonight. I was
5: hoping for more time These
3: appetizers are on the house. For my old friend Adam here, a seafood cocktail. Chef Rachel couldn't decide which flavor suited you best, lobster or shrimp. So she just made you a crabby prawn. And for you, miss, crispy sriracha spring rolls. Since I believe anyone wearing lipstick that bold likes their food a little spicy.
5: You, sir, are certainly earning your 15%.
3: Oh, it's only 7.05. Give me an hour and most women will say I've earned 25, even 30 percent.
5: So, the spring rolls aren't the only thing spicy here.
3: (laughs) I'll be back with your wine.
2: Excuse me, he forgot to bring me a sharp knife.
3: What are you doing? Being a friend. When I arrived with the appetizers, every look she gave you made you cringe. That can't be love. And pretending it is isn't fair to her, to you, or to me. Why are you involved? Well, if I can't talk you out of it, then I'll have to talk her into something else entirely.
2: And what makes you think I need to be talked out of it? What if I'm just now realizing I'm bi? Are you bi? I don't know. I could be. Are you?
3: Because I support you no matter-
2: I'm, I'm looking for love, and you can't choose how that presents itself.
3: No, Adam, you can't. You really, really can't. Jake, table
0: seven.
2: Adam. Sorry about that. Where were we?
5: Concerned. Is this how all your first dates go? Bounding in and out of hidden spaces on the heels of a glamorous Fabio? Because it isn't an endearing quality to be left alone with only hot spring rolls and a shrimpy crab for companions.
2: I'm sorry, I...
5: Furthermore... Your efforts at flirting lack even a rudimentary modicum of romantic skill. Perhaps you should ask your server friend for a lesson, since he seemingly knows what he wants and probably gets it. Though I hope these meaningless equivocations leave your system in the next minute, before you ruin what little chance you have.
2: What happens
3: in the next minute? A 2010 Chardonnay from Rouleau, our last bottle. It's not the most expensive wine, but the best things in life are a surprise. And this surprise tastes like peaches and butterscotch.
5: This night is full of surprises.
2: I'm gay. Look. I'm sorry, Jamie. Of
5: course you're gay. And I'm not Jamie, hun. I'm Jamie's mother. He was late and when he couldn't reach you, I volunteered to come deliver the news. He's surely only moments away now. But you didn't say
2: anything.
3: I suddenly feel third-wheelish.
5: You can't blame a mother for caring that her only son's new boyfriend is good enough for him. And waiter. Don't even think about leaving before you and me finish that wine.
3: Yes, ma'am. I won't even charge a corking fee. For the bottle, I mean.
5: So
8: sorry I'm late. You must be Adam.
3: So...
7: Did you two hit it off?
9: Thank you for listening to Heart Sight. You heard John Fur as Adam... Christopher Buckley as Seth, Amelia Siandra as Olivia, Race McRae as Jamie, and Leanne McRae as the hostess. HeartSight was written and produced by Race McRae, with additional writing by Bob Tinsley, Sam Winslow, and Claire Ellerhurst. Sound design and original music by Race McRae. Special thanks to
1: Fred Greenhalgh right that was our first selection um heart sight. thanks everybody for that um yeah and uh yeah so i, I just want to be clear when i introduced it as race for Cray, um that was the producer who uh got it into me you heard, heard some other voices there in the credits <clears throat> um those are some of race's teammates and thank you that uh was so fun it was a uh you know didn't quite know where it was gonna go it was funny uh well-paced uh love the rapport with the the two friends as well as the weird awkward date who hasn't been there, and uh, and good use of sound effects in the two environments of uh, restaurant um, panning into the back kitchen, um, really nice stuff there. So uh, we're gonna change to something completely different because that's kind of how these things always go. Is uh, Shivek Foder or Foder Sorry Shivek. I'll probably know by the time I hear the credits this afternoon, which it is. Um, the next piece is called Pit Stop Earth um, with aliens who have opinions about this weird planet we're on. Hope you enjoy.
10: Pitstop, Earth.
4: Terra
11: Sol 3. Indigenous name, Earth. Telluric, planet. Atmosphere, primarily made up of nitrogen, with one-fifth oxygen and Traces of argon and carbon dioxide. Approximately 8.7%
12: If you ask me, this species, whole Earth invasion climate. is a load of crap. <laughs> I beg your pardon? While we invading this crap bag planet, it looks like a shithole. And how would you
13: know? Have you ever been there, uh, Sanitation Operative Axlin?
12: Well, look at it, Phipps.
13: That's Junior Manager Sub-Lieutenant Phipps to you.
12: Yeah, whatever. Look, it's got a bad ozone layer.
13: In comparison to Crustaceus, that's where you're from, isn't it?
12: Earth has a fuck ozone layer. Mountains of useless trash. And look at all this crap they've put in their oceans. It's a write-off! And look at this virus. We're invading a planet that's in the middle of a global pandemic! And?
13: All of this excrement that you're obsessed with is fertile material for reappropriation for the purposes of replenishing the fleet's fuel. I don't know what you're making such a fuss about.
12: Well, rather you than me to have to deal with any of those mammals. I'd resign rather than my claws even touch that filthy planet. I doubt a member
13: of Sewage, Leakage and Offal Bureau is going to be deployed for planetfall.
12: (laughs) Yeah, but any prisoners that you lot decide to rehouse on the ship are going to be crabbing and pissing everywhere. And I know who's going to be the one to clean up after them. You lot don't think about that in your cozy little meeting rooms. But they're dirty creatures.
13: And a vital fuel resource for consumption.
12: Mm. I'm a vegetarian.
13: Mm. Junior copywriter, Carson, is everything okay? You've been hovering around here for the past five clicks.
11: Don't you have anywhere better to be? I... uh, Spit it out! It's it's just... Earth, Sai, I... I don't think it looks bad on the surface. It, it's a pretty planet with the b- blue oceans and green landscapes. I i don't know, I
12: just... It's okay, cousin. Speak your mind. Phipps here.
13: Junior Manager Soft Lieutenant Phipps.
12: Sure. Let me know when you get that promotion to an actually important rank. Well, <laughs> I'm sure our junior manager wouldn't write you up for having an opinion, would you, Phipps? I... Go on, Cousin. Well, I... I don't think we should... Should what, Cousin? I... I don't...
11: I don't think we should invade Earth at all. And what makes you have this incorrect presumption, junior copywriter
12: Cousin? Incorrect assumption? Ha!
11: It's uh, well. When you work at Office Intel, you 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 learn things. I'm trying to do a good job. I learned as much as I could about Earth before we invaded it. I've come to learn more and more about the people there, and the animals, and their trees, and videos, and metropolises, and fashions, and technologies, and anything that we had access to. The humans, though, they're so primitive. They're so cute they had time to... to grow and expand... Expand? They're so
13: primitive, they won't be able to create a vessel like ours for at least another 10,000 years.
11: I wish one of us could go and talk to them and see if maybe we could strike up a deal to share resources or something.
13: Share? Do you honestly think they're capable of sharing? We're taking their resources, Kazan, because they're too primitive to be useful to us in any other way. b but... You know nothing about fleet management, Kazan. Keep your ideas to yourself.
11: S- s- sorry Sai. Please don't report me.
12: Do you know if they clean their own shit or not?
11: I-I don't know. Their sanitation routines weren't really mentioned.
12: Useless. A lot of you. Always missing out on the important shit.
10: What's this about important shit? Hello, Phipps. Cousin. Hi, excellent Management not doing their jobs properly? Huh. No. Figures.
13: You may be on your lunch break, Chief Recruitment Officer Marvis. But be very careful what you say.
10: Of course. But if you ask me... This whole invasion is in complete shambles.
12: What an incorrect opinion to have. What makes you say this, Marvis?
10: I'm telling you, for one thing, this recruitment drive is taking its toll on me.
11: Well, how?
10: Well... Get him out of it. That's not something my manager or I would be able to help with. We recruit, not unrecruit.
14: Please, please, I don't want to lose my son to a pointless
8: cause. I don't want anything to happen to him.
10: Um, it's it's okay. Everything will be okay. Nothing as, as dangerous as one of the fire worlds we invaded 200 years ago. You remember that. Um, your son will be fine. Trust me.
11: Oh, maybe you're right. I'll talk to him about it whenever he calls me. Thank you for hearing me out.
10: You're welcome. Is there anything else I can do for you?
11: No. You've been very kind. Thank you.
10: Have a good day. You too. Thank you for calling Military Invasion Connection Center for the Cosmos Alliance Bureau Complex. This is Marvis. How can I help you? Hi!
0: Is this where I can sign up to join the invasion?
10: It most certainly is! Do you have a name available?
0: Oh, Fireworlds, yes! I can't wait to kill some humans!
10: Ah, shit. That was when it hit me.
11: when what hit you? Go on, Marvis.
10: <sighs> I don't want the invasion to happen! I refuse to get that kid recruited. Luckily, no one's chewed me out about it, but somebody will eventually. I mean, we're asking our people to go commit genocide! And for what? Resources, so that we have a likelihood of being able to travel the cosmos for an extra 60 years? That's nothing compared to the resources we already use.
13: It's not an invasion. It's a pit stop. We go in, reappropriate their resources, and get out. We won't lose any soldiers. It'll be quick and easy.
11: Uh, They have nuclear weapons. They have viruses. Something called the internet. They could still be a threat if we start taking away what keeps them alive.
13: (laughs) What makes this Earth so different from the other worlds we've made use of.
11: Because C- up until recently, I didn't get to see what any of these worlds looked like up close. This is real shit, Phipps.
12: Uh, not exactly real shit.
13: Oh, shut up, Axlin. It may be shit, but above all, these are our orders, and we will comply with them.
11: Well, then, I don't give a fuck about what my superiors want. I sincerely hope you didn't mean that, cousin down, please.
12: Who gives a shit about what we think? They're beating it anyway. This is a pointless debate.
13: Sit down, please, cousin. Marvis, it's forbidden to metamorphose in a workplace environment.
15: Listen to us. Know that we mean well. Look at it from where we stand. This isn't a pit stop, whatever way management spins it. It's an invasion to grab extra fuel for extra travel until the management runs out of fuel and runs out of worlds to reappropriate. Are these resources and our employees' time and service really worth all of this nothingness in the long run? Do you really care about your stupid job more than any of this? You're in management! Junior management. You can talk to our superiors. Make them see it from our points of view. Change their plans! Please! Be kinder to this Earth! What's the the alternative? There must be some sort of alternative, without any risk of pointless deaths.
11: Try to talk to them. See if they'll share. You can ask them, Sai. Please. I can speak to them, but they're not going to listen to me. You listened to us.
16: You did good, good, kid. Oh, oh,
10: oh, what? Oh. Oh. Carson, you're not supposed to be taller than me. <sighs> Damn survival instincts. You'd think after two hundred years I'd be able to control this better.
12: You'd be useful at slab. We could use more of your species. Get into all the tiny corners.
10: Me? In sanitation? But that's shit! (laughs) Do you
11: think Phipps will speak to management?
10: I hope
12: so. But if not, we tried. Huh. What a load of sappy crap. Now help me out and clear up your tables after you. What a mess. Sanitation's work is never done.
10: Pit Stop Earth. Created by... Shevik Imogene Fodor, Julie Scala, Morgan Yaffe, and William Nunn. Edited by Chevik Imogene Fodor and William Nunn. Special thanks to Ezra Vervin and Brenna Bentley as the callers. This audio drama was made as part of the So You Want to Make an Audio Drama course, taught by Fred Greenhalja. Woo,
1: woo, woo. Thank you, thank you, thank you, It was Pit Stop Earth, and we are back here on Bonfire Radio, real radio for real people, thank you everyone for tuning in, uh, you're listening to a graduation ceremony of sorts for the students in my uh, inaugural, so you'll make a audio drama course uh free online course taught back in april and may of this year and uh it's so fun to hear what crazy ideas people come up with uh we are gonna stay here in space for a little bit longer for the next couple pieces um a couple just little announcement things to mention that there is a chat room on bonfire radio.com b-o-n-d bond like james bond fire uh radio.com Uh, I'm hanging out there. You can also find me on Twitter at Final Rune, F-I-N-A-L R-U-N-E and I should also say that the uh there's actually is another course I'm doing. It's um actually gonna be for folks on the Indian subcontinent, but uh it is open for international uh folks too. Um that's on my Twitter feed. If you wanna dig up what that course is gonna be, I'm starting teaching it next week. And the materials, uh the videos that went with this series for the students that you're hearing today. Um I plan on making those materials available uh in July. And you'll also be able to hear this show Um, archived at radiodramarevival.com, which is the um, anthology radio drama showcase show, uh, which is in its 13th year. Um, And we'll be uh, introducing our new host, Ellie Fernandez-Collins, in our upcoming season 13, part B, which also starts in July. So if you are liking what you hear and you're like, this is kind of a cool, crazy art form, and I'd like to learn about, listen to, support this kind of, uh, storytelling. Um, Radio Drum Revival is an excellent resource for that. Um, if you listen to, you know, the Radio Rome Revival feed, you'll get a pretty good survey of, of some of the most interesting shows out there, creators doing terrific stuff. And I love just how, uh, what the flavors of this art form are and, um, uh, folks all across the world doing all sorts of different things. Um, do we end up we do end up in space a lot <laughs> but that's what's kind of fun about this because i'm like say you're trying to do an indie uh you know film that was set in space with invaders trying to take over earth it would be a lot of money to make that, that the board of that bridge and um you can do it in audio um with a few sound effects that just plant that picture in your imagination super fun so um that's kind of my announcements for now um i probably should have mentioned that there's a bunch of uh uh english language swear words in most many of these programs um none of the most of the content's not super objectionable but uh if you are streaming it at work around young children probably be advised of that um the next up like i said we're staying in space as it were with a daring escape um a little caper thriller with uh someone and their little android hope you enjoy a daring escape up next
17: Shh. I am being quiet. You be quiet. You're a little flying robot, Sprocket. You barely make noise. I can't compete with that. Besides, I'm great at stealth. Our missions always work out, don't they? What? Name one time that they didn't. Hey, those animals were in serious trouble. Besides, I didn't know they would make that much noise when we opened the gate, but they made it out, right? Okay, wait, that's not fair. Listen, it was not my fault I didn't see the Zardians. I mean, they're literally invisible. Okay, 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 I get it. Things don't always go to plan. But listen, I swear, this time, it's gonna be foolproof. The plan, again, do I have to? Fine, fine. Okay, you sneak into Bartok's building through the window on the south side and turn on your camera so I can see what you see. The vault should be near that room anyway, and I'll guide you to it if you get lost. Just go in, grab 5,000 gold units, and get out. I'll keep watch. Yeah, I'm sure he won't notice. It's tiny compared to how much gold he really has. I know how bad we need this money, Sprocket. I won't get distracted like last time. Here we are. Go time, Sprocket. Alright, I've got visual. Head straight down the hall to the door at the end. That's where the gold is.
15: Sprocket, stop. What's that? <laughs> well, that's it! I've given you more than enough chances, Elsa! I'm tired of your flower Please just
4: give me more time. I didn't I didn't make enough money this month, but uh, but I swear I'll get it to you soon! Oh,
18: here she goes again! Always more time! You know I've had enough of you! Well, there's always another way to skin a cat, you know. <laughs> I could get a pretty penny for you from Doctor Menace. <laughs> He's always looking for new test subjects, no. and I just so happened no. to talk to him earlier this
4: no, morning. No, please.
17: <laughs> no, please. Should
4: we? Sh- we shouldn't. The gold.
17: All right, Sprocket, you have the sleeping gas bomb, right? Okay, there's a five-second delay after you pull the pin. Just fly in, drop it, and pull that woman out of the hallway as fast as you can. I'll be waiting, and you can hand her off to me. Mm -hmm. Screw the gold. It doesn't matter right now. We can just get it somewhere else. Look, you know what Dr. Menace does during her experiments. We can't let that happen.
18: I'm
17: in. All right, Sprocket. Now!
15: What Uh the... Hey, what are you doing? Hey, get back here! Sleeping, Cass. I'm not gonna let you get away!
18: (laughs) (laughs) Doctor, Dr. Dr. Venice! The subject has escaped! Find her!
17: Hey, buddy. We're gonna get you out of here. Sorry, no time. I'm sure you got a lot of questions, but that gas can still reach us from here. So, head for the window and jump! Ah! Well, that was fun.
4: Who... who are you?
17: The name's Derringer. Brock Derringer. Oh, and this is Sprocket. We, uh, we're here to help you.
4: I... I really thought... I really thought I was in trouble there. You
17: were. Dr. Menace is not a good person.
4: I know. One of my friends couldn't pay Bartog in time, and she got sent there. I'm in debt to him, too, and I was trying so hard to find the money and pay him, but I just couldn't get it together in time.
17: Bartog isn't one to forget his debts, especially not to Dr. Menace. Trust me, I know. You're not going to be safe here in Crater City anymore. Sprocket and I, though, we, we have a ship. We could take you somewhere safe.
4: Wait, look, I know you just saved me and all, but I barely know you.
17: How can I trust you? You could say that I have experience with helping people out, <laughs> even if it is by accident.
4: Um... Uh, I...
17: Look, you don't have to trust me, but I'm your best chance.
4: Okay, let's go.
14: Oh, Bartog, felt by sleeping gasp, hmm? I had a feeling you wouldn't be able to carry this out. You tend to bite off more than you can chew. Well, that's all right. You had enough sense to contact me, and that's more than enough. Now, Elsa, it's time to bring you home. Minions, summon my drone! <laughs>
4: <laughs> How much further?
17: Not long now. Sprocket, do you see anyone following us? Good. All right. It's just around the corner. <gasps>
4: That's your ship? Ain't she a beaut? The pirate ship? You didn't tell me you were a pirate.
17: Well, I mean, I didn't not say that. I mean, it's not like that. Listen, we're almost there. Stop right there. Uh Uh-oh.
4: It's
14: him.
17: Yeah,
4: buddy.
14: That is a really big drone. Captain Derringer. Long time no see. If you just hand Elsa over to me, no one else has to get hurt. Yeah, that's not happening. I am not coming with you! Oh, it's not your choice, little one. You have ten seconds to hand them over. Ten. Hey,
17: Nine. Hey, what does this switch do?
14: Wait! No! This isn't over, Derringer! I'll be back!
17: I love it when villains' weapons have self-destruct switches. You okay, Elsa?
4: Yeah, I just really want to get out of here.
17: Your wish is my command. We're back. Open the doors.
0: Who are all these people? What is this place?
17: They were like you once. Lost. alone. But I ran into them and helped them out on my travels, and they decided to find their place on their ship, and we, uh, sort of became a family. But they could be your family, too. I mean, uh, if you wanted them to be. Welcome home, Elsa.
4: And so, Captain Derringer and his faithful companion Sprocket saved the day again!
14: Hey, they're here. Are you ready to meet your new family? Yeah.
17: Hey buddy, it's good to see you. I can't wait to show you to your new home. This short is called A Daring Escape, written by Srikurpa Krishna Prasad and based on a story by Bryce Cook. Edited by Steve Schneider, directed by Griffith Munn, and produced by Bryce Cook and Alex Stan. Vocal talent provided by Bryce Cook as Darringer and the Father. Srikapa Krishna Prasad as Elsa and the Kid. Steve Schneider as Bartok, Alex Stan as Dr. Menace, and the Social Worker. Special thanks to Fred Greenhalge. We hope you enjoyed our short and thank you so much for listening.
1: Da-da-da. Well, there we are. Darren Escape in space. I told you it'd be space. Um yeah, I hope you're digging this. I wanted something I really want to mention is how uh it's kind of the philosophy that I have, and what I encourage in the students of this course was make stuff uh you know the, the there are a lot of people who i think you know i don't know they, they get stuck thinking about what's the right piece of equipment or am i am i an artist do i you know there's so many podcasts out there is my voice does the world need my voice and uh, I, all that sort of stuff can hang people up and i just am here to say you should make stuff the world does need your voice please um you know, contribute in whatever way you can. Um, I was actually, while we we're here, just um, uh, the wonderful artist, Morgan Given said he made his, they made their first podcast recording to a phone and mixing on Audacity and GarageBand, your story is what matters, tell it however you can, try not to dog yourself over your art. Systemic racism means that we often don't have access to resources that white creators do. Um, very true and true for everyone that your phone especially today's phones are really quite sophisticated um, computers in your pocket. And, you know, whether it's out on location, you do a little narrative walking about, you know, neighborhood or wilderness or wherever you happen to be in the universe, as well as, you know, maybe in your pillow fort and underneath your house reading the story you wrote or whatever it happens to be. Uh, You know, the, the, yeah, many, if you have the technology to listen to this show right now, you probably have the technology to actually make a show right now and i would encourage you to do so if you find this fun uh, next up is upon a star this is completely bonkers it's funny it is uh a bit uh, uh the the <laughs> dirty humor uh but it's tremendously bonkers it involves a really evil santa claus and it's tremendously fun um so here we go with upon a star Uh, here on the bonfire radio radio station and the um, Audio Fiction with Fred graduation ceremonies. Onward. Group 4 Audio presents Upon a Star,
9: a short audio play by Aaron Lockman. Oh, gosh. The earth is so beautiful from up here. I am so fucked.
19: Is Mr. Bingham here yet? Oh, ah! oh uh, hi, Cindy. Oh, thank God, you would not believe the morning I've had, Presley. Cindy, there's something I so need to- So, I go to visit my sister at the North Pole, right? She's working in Santa's toy shop, I've mentioned Yes, this. but- th- But th- I barely get to spend any time with her, because Santa's got everybody working overtime. I mean- it's understandable three weeks from Christmas, but seriously, he can't give her time off for her family? Where's the humanity, Santa? Or elf-anity, or whatever. Cindy, I... So I- then, get this, this morning I wake up thinking, I'll just teleport to work. But all the teleports at the North Pole have straight up stopped working. Radiation, or some shit. Something really, really bad. Do you know... How difficult it is to find a reindeer at the North Pole who's willing to fly to low Earth orbit on a Monday three weeks before Christmas? Cindy, I need your help! Sorry, Presley. Rough morning.
9: I guess that makes two of us. (sighs) What's wrong? You're good with computers, right?
19: You bet your ass.
9: (laughs) Is there any way for you to, say, reboot the entire system before Mr. Bingham gets here? No, that would take hours. What did you do? It's embarrassing. Presley? I might have accidentally, possibly, potentially, maybe, kind of, sort of, made a wish. What? I didn't mean to. I just got here early, and I was looking out at the stars, and down at the Atlantic Ocean, and there was a shooting star, and it just slipped
19: out. What did you wish for? That's not important. Can you fix it? I don't know, Presley. This equipment was designed to detect wishes from 250 miles below us. No one's ever made a wish this close to the array that I know of. Who knows what the effects are? Also, I kind of need you to delete the wish without reading it. It's too early for this. I need my coffee.
18: Good morning, girls. Good Good morning, Mr. Mr. Bingham. Bingham. Is something wrong, girls? No,
9: sir. Not technically a girl, sir. What's that, Presley? Uh, y- y- you said girls. I- I'm a
18: male elf. Are
9: you? Yes, sir. The
18: question was meant to be rhetorical, Presley. Yes, sir. I was impugning your masculinity, not inquiring after the details of your genitals.
9: Yes, sir. Cindy,
18: how are you this fine morning? Good, sir. That's wonderful news. Are you both ready to begin? I will take it by your nervous silence. That is a yes. I love this part. The anticipation. The sweet, eager numbness of the moment before. In just a few short minutes, the Geminid meteor shower will begin over North America. Hundreds and thousands and millions of children will look up ...and see a white cascade of shooting stars. And they will look inside their hearts and make a wish. They will wish for their deepest, most pure desire. And we will be there to detect those wishes, collect them, and forward them to the appropriate departments. Rousing speech, sir. Oh, thank you. I've been saving that one... Is the wish detection array primed?
19: I'm trying to activate it now, sir.
18: What do you mean, trying?
19: Uh, the system is being sluggish.
18: Whoa, what an ugly word, sluggish. Get it up and running.
19: I'm reinitiating the array. Initiation failed. Bolts
18: and blazers. Oh, the media shower starts in less than five minutes. What could be causing this?
19: It's almost as if... What? It's almost as if the system experienced a huge info dump
18: before we got here. But that's impossible, unless there was some other media shower I wasn't informed of.
19: The only reason the computer could be acting this way is if the
18: hard drive were completely full. Well, dive in there and delete some crap. We've got to get this moving. Yes, sir. This is very bad for my blood pressure. Yes, sir? You look like you're holding in an enormous shit. Do I? Is there something you're not telling me? No, sir. Nothing at all. Good. You should get ready to package and forward those wishes. We're going to have to work quickly. Cindy, any luck there?
19: I'm trying to sort through the information, sir. It looks... well... It looks less like a load of small wishes and more like one big one. Can you get rid of it? I've got to decode it
18: first. Damn it, woman! shooting star, sir. Oh, look at that, girls. There's a hundred children whose wishes won't come true. Are you proud of yourselves? Still decoding. I'd like to find whoever's responsible for this and smash them over the head with a candy cane. Almost there. Another meteor. Oh, or better yet, lock them in a room and play Christmas carols for all of eternity. <laughs>
15: Got it! Booyah!
18: All right, Cindy, spill the beans. Just what did this mysterious, fishy, wishy-washer, wisher, wish for? Oh. Spit it out, Cindy.
19: I wish... that Cindy were in love with me, too.
18: Presley? Yes, sir. Stand up. Come over here. I am going to whisper something in your ear, and I want you to listen to me very, very carefully. What in the ever fuck-loving heck do you think you're doing? You disgraceful, <laughs> disgusting, dishonorable, disreputable, dis <dis-rag? laughs> I'm
9: sorry! You're sorry? It was an
18: accident, I swear! You're fire <laughs> that that is fair enough if i had my way i would eject you into the cold merciless vacuum of space right fucking now but as it is that would be a pr nightmare cindy how goes deleting the wish
19: uh, I, I can't why not i'm i'm trying but it's like a virus Every time I get rid of it, it pops up somewhere else. Reboot
18: the system.
19: That takes several hours. We'd miss the meteor shower.
18: Well, Cindy, you're the computer expert. Is there any way we can start collecting wishes within the next 30 seconds? No, sir. Presley, when are we next authorized to use the teleport?
9: Uh, In four hours, sir, after the meteor shower.
18: Well, it seems as though the only option is to sit and stew in our own impotence as countless wishes go unfulfilled beneath us. Would you girls say that that is accurate? Yes, Yes, sir. sir. Fan-fucking-tastic. If you girls will excuse me, I am going to use the soundproof room I recently installed, perhaps screaming at the top of my lungs, for several hours will make me feel better.
19: They should really have some safety mechanisms in place for incidents like this.
9: We should bring that up. Unless we're both
19: fired. Mr. Bingham fake
9: fires people all the time. And if you think about it, all I did was expose a
19: huge hole in the system. I guess we'll have to wait and see. Yeah. Um... Presley? Yes? About your wish... Oh. You're a really sweet elf. A lot of times, talking to you is the only thing that makes this job bearable. Yeah? Yeah. But, I don't know. Life is chaotic right now. I'm worried about my sister up at the North Pole. Santa's working her like a dog. This job is basically eating my soul. Plus, I'm pretty sure I got that seasonal depression thing. (laughs) I can't do a relationship right now. Are you okay?
15: I'm
9: fine. <coughs> Basically what I expected, so.
19: Friends?
9: Friends. An elf with seasonal depression? <laughs> <laughs> I
19: know, right?
9: <laughs> hey, they must have loved um. you up at the North Pole. <laughs>
19: <laughs> oh, um. Man. man. Those meteors are really coming down now. Yeah. (sighs) The Earth's really beautiful from up here, isn't it? It is.
9: Upon A Star was written and edited by Aaron Lockman and directed by Harlan Baker. The voice of Presley was Aaron Lockman. The voice of Cindy was Mariah Bergeron. The voice of Mr. Bingham was Larry Vinyl.
1: Okay, hope you all enjoyed that craziness. You know, maybe Santa is a bad boss. It does seem like uh, at least capitalism as a uh, sorry, Christmas as a spin. Uh, the 21st century U.S. version of it is that would be the kind of Santa we have, not peace on Earth or good stuff like that. Uh, so thank you for that. Um, we're going to keep moving right along because we have a bunch more to play, and our next hour is going to vanish very quickly. So we're we'll going to jump right into Voices of Hamelin from the Tertiary Group. Enjoy.
8: He had sort of brown hair. These greyish
20: eyes and very distinctive facial features.
21: Um, he was bald. You know they say evil guys are always bald.
8: Brownish skin. Uh, he was pale. Very, very pale. And, um,
6: this
21: kind of glimmer in his eyes.
6: He had curly hair.
8: His eyes had this reddish glinting and what I remember the most was the music oh god even his voice had this silky very sexy timbre
6: and so you kind of knew he was going to be musical
8: he was godly but creepy Hamlin what can you tell us about Hamlin Hamlin was
6: beautiful just gorgeous. And we go there with the kids, take them home for the weekend. We live just outside town.
8: Beautiful rivers, friendly people.
6: Take our kids there, just hang out, spend a long weekend. After a while we stopped going.
20: There was a problem, a serious
8: problem. They had rats, but not just any rats. Like really big. Gross
6: rats. With these enormous eyes.
21: Kind of reddish. Glinting. Just really evil looking.
8: They tried everything. Literally everything. Exterminators, pest control, government initiatives, getting people to pick up their litter. Everything.
21: People were very worried about spreading disease.
6: There's all sorts of things you can pick up from a rat.
21: People were afraid. And then
20: all of a sudden you had neighbours turning on neighbours. You know, like,
21: you're dirty, um, you're the reason that these rats are here, just crazy.
8: It really brought out the worst in people. And then on the other side, you had the animal welfare rights guys who were furious. And they would go out and graffiti on the walls saying things like accusing the government of killing rats. Just ridiculous. Extremist environmentalists. Rats have rights too. All of this kind of stuff. I remember at one point I was added to this rats activist Facebook group. They were angry at the government's handling of the situation. It was this very extreme form of poison. I have a screenshot of the post. Okay,
21: so it talks about how they were using brodifacoum. I don't know if I'm saying that right. A second generation anticoagulant.
8: It basically broke down the cell lining in the heart and, well, caused these rats to die.
6: It was disgusting. You had all these dead bodies of these rats.
8: And more kept on coming. It didn't matter how much pest control they laid down, these rats kept coming.
20: It was unprecedented. They had no idea.
6: Why or where they were coming from?
21: There were conspiracy theories, of course. People actually thought that the government had released these rats to, you know, drive us all off the land. And there was another Facebook post. Can you read it? Sure. So, they're talking about how the government has found something valuable.
8: She writes, they're trying to kick us off the land. Gold. They thought the government had discovered gold. Under Hamlin.
20: People blamed the environmental groups. Why? Hamlin was gorgeous, but there were lots of tourists, and the environmentalists were worried about them ruining the natural beauty and landscape. So it made sense, right? They would plant the rats.
8: To get rid of the tourists. Do you remember meeting the Pied Piper? Me? No, not personally. First, we heard rumours. They said there's this guy who apparently can get rid of the rats. So everyone was like, no way, bring him in.
6: There was a lot of mystery. People were desperate by this stage.
8: Parents were scared of letting out their children. It had got that bad. In case they pick up something nasty from the rats. So Hamlin was becoming this ghost town.
20: And when we say rats, we're talking creatures the size of cats or small dogs.
8: Enormous. Huge. Can you show me how big? I'm doing this with my hands. Are you filming? This big. And still no one knows who he is. This Pied Piper guy. There's rumour after rumour.
6: Where is this guy coming from and how is he going to get rid of them? I still
20: remember
8: seeing him. He was wearing this suit jacket and kind of a cape. He looked like a modern day superhero. We were all following on the news at this point. Every day, gathered round
20: the radio. The mayor is taking things into the next phase. He's talking about how the piper is going to solve all of our issues.
8: Local government keeps saying, we don't know when it will be safe to go out again, but soon. By this stage, everyone's just indoors. We are entombed inside our homes. And the rats rule. Did you believe the government at the time? Did you believe they were trying to fix things? Sure. I mean... Okay, no one has that much faith in the government.
21: (laughs) We were desperate. Yeah,
20: we we believed it. We had to. The government was doing everything that it could.
6: I think maybe it was desperation, but what else are you going to do?
21: When did I first hear his music? I was in the kitchen.
8: I remember it very distinctly. Cooking for my family.
21: It was summer. I had the window open, just like now. And I
8: heard it.
6: Holy shit. What was that?
8: I turned to my husband and I said, Sweet Jesus, Mary, and Joseph. Excuse me. I want to say flute? It was like a pipe. But like no pipe you've ever heard before. In one newspaper, they described it as liquid gold.
20: This melody could kill. And I mean really
8: kill. Can you sing it? (laughs) Hell no. I can't recreate that. Mm -mm. But you saw the vats disappear. No, not me personally. But there were people for sure who saw it. And you can read descriptions online. You know, he was playing his little piece and this sea of grey is following him out. Crazy. You believe it was real? Of course it was. Where else would the rats go? So he's playing the music. Music flooding the street. And it's beautiful. We are indoors listening to this music and it's beautiful music.
20: The next day, everyone is celebrating.
8: We were listening to the radio. They say it's safe. The rats are gone.
6: You can come out now. It's safe.
8: Everyone was on the streets. Clinking glasses. And there were fireworks.
21: There was an enormous sense of relief. They've gone. Our children are going to be safe. We can come out. But the pipe Piper...
8: He's not around. Gone. Total mystery.
6: And there's some talk of dodgy dealings.
8: Something about the
21: mayor not paying up. Not compensating or, you know, rewarding him in any way.
8: And what he's done is save an entire community. It's huge. Why aren't they paying him? They are sleazy. Money-grabbing the worst kind of political scandal because he is a hero he saved the day and what's he getting for it nothing
21: stories were circulating on the facebook group
6: mayor's refusal to pay everyone was holding other people accountable
8: you know like the money should come from here and here
6: tourist tax
8: and meanwhile the piper was gone
21: Um, it was actually the following morning.
5: We
6: came out of our house. It was a beautiful day.
8: And it was in the middle of the square. Central town. This enormous... Kind of like a scarecrow. It looked like an effigy.
20: And it was hung up from the fountain, and it was creepy and scary, this...
8: Like, Scarecrow Child Effigy.
6: Horrendous.
8: Okay, so you know when a city is revolting, and the people tear down statues of the local leaders before killing them? It was like that. Except this Scarecrow looked like a child.
6: It had been made to look like a kid.
8: And written in this graffiti.
20: In this big black font around the square.
21: Your
8: children are next.
6: Terrifying.
8: We were scared. It was creepy as hell, but at this point we had no idea what was coming. It was on the news and there was lots of speculation. People assumed it was the Piper, but there wasn't any concrete proof. And eventually things calmed down, people started to relax. And
20: that was when
8: it happened. Nighttime. Sometime around midnight. The music was actually inaudible to adult ears. We know that now.
20: Anything above 17 hertz our adult ears can't cope with.
6: But
8: the children heard.
6: This beautiful, enchanting music.
8: I can only imagine it sounded similar to the music that he had played for the rats. Perhaps even more beautiful. And I just remember... (laughs) so vividly
6: walking up to his room
21: and you know singing rise and shine i go in and the first thing i
8: do is pull back the curtains
6: and he was gone
8: it was complete panic i just remember the sound of shrieking parents running into the streets doors opening and slamming people running and they didn't know where they were running to or where they should be looking it was horrific
6: I I called my wife and I said, he's not here. Where is he?
21: I cannot forget it. That day is burnt into my living memory. June 25th. The government had
8: no idea. Not a clue.
20: Afterwards, they went over
8: CCTV. You can actually see him in the footage. This tall, dark figure.
21: And they're following him. And one of them is Sarah.
20: <laughs> they were able to trace them up to the river.
6: It was the worst day of my life. And it feels like it never ended.
21: <laughs> never having any
6: answers. This is a photo of Sam. When he was eight. This is his basketball. He was really, really good. <laughs> I'm sorry.
8: okay. Take your time.
6: I'm sorry, can you turn it off?
8: Sure. Do you think there's a chance they're still alive? No chance. I mean, no. Sorry. No. I'm sorry, no.
20: Wherever he went, whoever he was, there's no way
8: those children are still
6: alive. Sadly. I hope so, yeah. What else can you do as a parent? You have to keep on hoping. Otherwise, it's... unbearable.
20: The government needs to be held accountable, you know. Why was he not paid? I I believe if there's anyone left to blame, it is the government.
21: She could have been a writer. She could have been whatever she wanted to be. She had so much potential. And that was taken away.
6: There is no compensation for the loss we felt. No. Absolutely not. What I
21: would like is an apology.
20: Yeah, personally I still think about it. And I still want answers.
21: For them to look at me in the eye and say, We're sorry. We're so sorry.
8: You have been listening to, in order of speaking, Sarah Lynham, Phoebe McIndoe, Lindsay Murrell, Honey Gabriel, David East, and Linda Evans as the reporter. Voices of Hamlin was written by Phoebe McIndoe. Sound design and editing was by Linda Evans. The music was River Flute by Kevin MacLeod. The director was Lorenzo Peter Mason.
1: Yay. I love that. I hope you had as much fun as I did. Uh, <laughs> who would have thought you would have a found fiction docudrama about a fairy tale? Well, this is what you can do, an audio drama. Um, and I also like, uh, yeah, just having a little quick chit-chat with Claudia Rose on Twitter here about how fun and diverse this Selections are, um, you know, we've gone from uh, romance comedy to uh, sci-fi and a few different flavors to what we just heard, and we're about to turn to the darker side um, with three pieces um, by produced by solo artists. Um, the one, two, three, four, five pieces we've heard so far were uh, people who had signed up for my class and been randomly assigned to a uh, group with strangers and made a thing, which I think is. Awesome. Think about how wackadoodly hard that is to do, especially in the age of COVID and self-quarantine to meet a bunch of strangers online from different time zones and make a thing together. Super uh, props for that and excited that it it happened when I had the idea to challenge people to do this. I wasn't sure how it would go, but um, I'm pretty delighted and impressed and humbled by what we've heard so far. So. Moving right along, um, Sarah Golding of Quirky Voices did this thing called Echoes Echoes. It's about two minutes, so I'll be right back after we hear Echoes Echoes.
22: Oh, it's from Mum and dad. <laughs> Become the traveler you always wanted to. Oh, saw this in the magazine, great reviews. Happy birthday, love mom. Aww. Miss your mum. Okay. Door to another portal. Easy to click
8: assemble. Okay, one, two. Press here. Okay.
14: <gasps> <gasps> Press here.
15: Ooh, <gasps> oh la glowing door. Oh, it's
21: beautiful. Okay, well, I'll just take a birthday peek.
22: Hello. Hello, hello, hello? Is there anybody out there? Hello? Hello?
15: Hello? Is that just me talking? Is that just me talking?
22: Or is that my echo? Is there
21: someone there? Can you come any closer? Can you come any closer?
15: Closer. 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 So you're real then? So you're real then? Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. (laughs) I'm gonna meet you.
1: okay just you know if people send you a weird magical portal like you really shouldn't open it okay that's my advice uh next up is a fool's tragedy by megan hayward also on the creepy wavelength um this one has some vi- violent components to it what i like about this next piece is that there are no voices so uh what we just heard from sarah was just tremendously fun it was a yeah, one-woman show and you heard, you know, all the cool things that she did with use of manipulation of, uh, you know, that like the uh, bumping up or down in in range, pitch shifting, um, reverb, uh, slowing down the voice, those weird things, uh, and just kind of really you can tell that she has an understanding of how to both record and then there's things you do with your voice as you record that allow it to be uh do weirder things in post-production and she had complete mastery over that and we just heard echoes uh what you're about to hear is a story told through sound alone um so let's see what pictures are in your head from this this is a fool's tragedy making hayward
15: <laughs> mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
21: A Fool's Tragedy, produced by Megan Hayward.
1: Yes, that was creepy. <laughs> this is Megan Hayward's Fool's Tragedy. Um, the last piece of student work we have is Zoe McGaden with a Magnus Archives-esque thing that will make you cringe involving spiders. Enjoy. Carriers.
22: Carriers is a derivative, non-canonical, fan-made project derived from the Magnus Archives, an original podcast which is created and distributed by Rusty Quill Limited. Carriers is not endorsed by Rusty Quill Limited and is distributed under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, share 4.0 international license. For more information about the original source material, visit www.rustyquill.com. carriers. It started so small. Actually, it started with a spider. I was small. It was smaller. I was about six, lazing on the grass on a warm summer's day. I was drifting off to sleep, listening to the birds and the wind in the leaves, when I heard a strange sort of scratching from inside my ear. Something had crawled in. I, I jumped up and ran in, crying, terrified to my mother. My mother didn't believe in doctors, but she wasn't a silly woman. I remember her talking to herself about trying to get it with a cotton swab or or, or rinse it out with water and the risks of pushing it further into my ear. While she was deliberating, I felt something tickle my cheek. I ran to the mirror to see a tiny, money spider, only the size of a freckle, cross my cheek. At first I was relieved. The noise was gone and I no longer had a scary bug inside my body. I no longer had... And I was lonely. I wanted to feel that intimacy again. But it would be another year before I found anything similar. The first one was... Spherical, but covered in fingers like coral. Of course, I couldn't actually see it, but just like the spider, I could hear it inside me. I felt it curl up in my sinuses at first, and then multiply rapidly. The common cold virus doesn't like to live alone. My body tried to resist it, and my temperature rose. I began to see things, boulders rolling towards my bed like in Indiana Jones, patterns on the walls, but once my fever broke, I realized my body had adapted to their presence. I was no longer fighting the virus, but harboring it. Soon I was filled with my secret companions, and when I became overcrowded, I'd sneeze, and they would leave me and go live in other people. I don't think my cold was happy once they'd left. At least the people they lived in looked miserable. (coughs) 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 Thank you. But nothing lasts forever. When you have a pet, you know someday it will die. I had so many, it took a while for their numbers to diminish. But the weather was getting warmer, and, well... To every season, turn, turn, turn. They'd return almost every winter. Of course, every time it started with the usual symptoms. Fever, difficulty breathing, pain everywhere. But I wouldn't be alone then. As an adult, I got a staph infection in my abdomen. There was no sneezing this time, so when they grew in numbers, I kind of ballooned. I was rushed to hospital And against my strenuous objections, the doctors knocked me out and operated, siphoning as much of the infection as they could, and then they pumped me full of antibiotics. Weeks I was in hospital while my babies died. The medicines they gave me made me wretch, and the drugs they gave me for the nausea made me hallucinate. When I couldn't eat, they threatened me with intubation, And when the antibiotics didn't work fast enough, they fed tubes through my skin and into my belly while I watched, awake. You might be forgiven for thinking that was the worst of it, but I'll spare you the details. By the time the staff was gone, there was little of me left. After that, the viruses shunned me. I could no longer be trusted to keep them safe. For years, I couldn't catch so much as a headache. But then... (laughs) Oh, but then... (laughs) A plague unlike anything seen in my lifetime arrived. It spread around the globe, millions falling ill, hundreds of thousands dying... When it came here, nobody wanted to be inconvenienced by it. People wanted to pretend everything was normal. So although lots of businesses closed, you could still see people on the streets every day and not just the ones delivering medical supplies to the hospitals. Baristas were classified as essential workers so that the other people wandering around free range could have their fix. This was absolutely brilliant for me, though. When I first contracted the illness, of course I knew it. If I could feel a cold, I could certainly feel this. Again, it was spheroid, but instead of coral fingers, it was covered with little blossoms. It tickled as I breathed it in, but soon it attached itself to the insides of my lungs like Velcro. It was strong and fertile. I didn't have any outward symptoms, so no one thought to avoid me. As the virus multiplied, I I began to feel uneasy, antsy, and... I couldn't sit still. I would walk through the darkened streets, barely knowing what I was doing, until I could hear the thump, thump, thump of the bass in a club. I'd stumble in, feeling for all the world as though I'd already been drinking. And the music and the lights and the smell of the bodies would overpower me, and I would wind my way to the middle of the room, and I'd dance. I suppose you could call this a symptom certainly not anything I'd done before. I'm not much for going out and definitely not for dancing. Oh, but these babies wanted to party. Soon I was snogging strangers and sharing shots, and I could feel the way the virus moved from me to them. And, well, to some extent that was really just for fun. <laughs> you don't need physical contact to spread the disease. In fact, you can spread it just by coughing. Sorry about that fit before. Are you feeling all right? Thank you for listening to Carriers. I am Zoe McAden. The music is Cryptic Sorrow by Kevin MacLeod used under a Creative Commons Attribution 4.0 International License.
1: All right, that was Carriers so Zoe McAden you are listening to the audio fiction with fred graduation ceremonies here on bonfire radio bonfire radio is uh community radio at its best and you can support them at patreon.com slash radio that's patreon.com slash radio and i hope you dig this feed and come back there's a uh ton i mean i think i believe it's live 24 hours and there's Excellent music round the clock, as well as tons of original programming. Tomorrow being June 10th, the actual Independence Day in America, there is a ton of unique uh, programming here uh, throughout the day. You can find that on the website bondfireradio.com. There's a, a really well uh, navigable uh, Google Calendar. All the stuff happening. Um, so check it out. Uh, Patreon.com/slash Bondfire. All right. Last but not least, uh, so far be it for me to ask people to do anything that I wouldn't be willing to do myself. Um, I challenged myself to do the same thing I'd ask the students to do during the weeks of the course um, of write and produce a radio play over the course of five weeks. Um, I had a slight advantage because I wrote a script before the class actually started. So I sort of like if I could manage, I'd be, you know, maybe barely a week ahead of them. Um, but it was fun, so this is the first time I had done a remote satellite recording, meaning that um, all the actors were recorded uh, at their own unique spaces as opposed to being ensemble in a studio. It was actually the first time I'd done a show like that. Uh, my early, early, early days, I recorded in a um, like a, a space that was designed for. Uh, what you'd call now like podcast interviews, but there's a community radio space for like a talk show format room. So we used to use that room to record my earliest radio plays um, before I moved out on location, started recording uh, more like a film type technique where you'd have uh, you know, a microphone and a portable kit and actors out in the world. And then ultimately uh, recording uh, in a quiet studio space, which is also very cool. Um, it's also really cool to try different ways of telling a story and to continue to challenge yourself. Um, and yeah, and there's this... What's kind of really fun about recording uh, remotely, recording actors all over the world, well, basically you can record actors all over the world and you don't have to all um, be whoever uh, might be the talented actors in your immediate physical community, but you can have an entire global community. So at any rate, um, this is this kooky thing we did called The Bloody Mess. Um, So I produced this uh, and for me it was, yeah, working with remote recorded actors for the first time Learning the program Reaper, uh, which was new to me, and actually how Reaper works with the class, uh, the program Audacity, and if you want to see me uh, muddle my way through those new those two programs, which uh, I, I I I wanted to teach them because those are pretty uh, affordable. Like Audacity is free, and Reaper is like fifty bucks. So. If you want, you know, as opposed to like Pro Tools, which is hundreds of dollars, these are tools that are pretty easy to get access to um, and allow you to produce high quality work. So rounding out the afternoon um, is the bloody mess and congratulations. Thank you, everybody who participated in this audio drama course with me. It was tremendous fun making stuff. And thank you, TK, again, for letting uh, me crash your pad for a little bit this afternoon. All right, here we go. The bloody mess. This thing is silly. Fred Greenhalgh presents The Bloody Mess, an original play for audio.
4: So, what do they have on you? What's that? I mean, do you owe the mob a bunch of money? Scandal that needed covering up? uh, Need, you know, someone disappeared? Uh,
7: I'm not smelling what you're stepping in, partner.
4: I mean, I really didn't mean to run over all those pedestrians.
7: What's that now?
4: They told me one little sea adventure and will expunge your record. So here I am. Uh huh. So I figured, given how dangerous this operation is, surely you. Uh,
7: just about the money, partner.
4: You ever worked for the Drump Corporation before?
7: Oh, you know, I did a few gigs here and there, you know, working my way into Dr. Drumpf's good graces.
4: Aren't you worried this is a fool's errand? How are we ever going to find the wreck anyways?
7: Dr. Drumpf gave us exact coordinates.
4: Which he got from a reality TV show which he paid for.
7: You saw that segment, didn't you? They used that GPS technology to pinpoint the location using underwater imagery.
4: That was a whiteboard and a bundle of markers he's a scientist he knows this stuff he's not a real scientist he just plays one on TV well that counts doesn't it bother you that we brought down just enough oxygen for half a trip
7: didn't really cross my mind
4: Don't you think it was weird that he wouldn't come himself? Of Course
7: not! He explained in great detail the importance of the Red Shirt Brigade!
4: How about the thing where every night we hear him speaking in tongues? Nope, not worried about that a bit. Okay, well... What about the several dozen chickens he brought along, all of which mysteriously disappeared? I admit,
7: that was a little odd.
4: And the pentagram on the hood of his submarine?
7: That's just a new logo. He said the graphic designer didn't know any better. <laughs> He's
4: fired! <laughs> what was that? Oh, crap. What are you doing? You're going to get us killed. I don't like sharks. Then why are you the navigator of an elite underwater mining mission? He said he would give meds to my grandma. Stop cramping buttons and hit the gain on the sublights. It is a shark. It's a bleeding shark. You're right. We must have caught it with the propeller. Oh, dang. Do you know what happens to a bleeding shark? It brings more bleeding sharks. Ah! Ah! Oh,
7: no. I may never see my grandma again. Oh, calm down.
4: And arm the torpedoes. What
7: torpedoes?
4: The Anti-Shark Torpedoes! What
7: Anti-Shark Torpedoes?
4: The ones I told you to load up 25 minutes ago! I thought you said Doritos! I have lots
7: of Doritos!
4: Oh God, we're going to die! We're going to die! Hey,
16: what's going on down there? Have you reached a bloody mess? Bloody
4: mess? They told me we were investigating a shipwreck! Not that shipwreck.
7: Uh, uh we're uh, uh, nearly there, Dr. Trump. Uh, you better be. I'm not paying you to wreck my Uh Yes, sir, understood, sir. We just had a slight altercation with some sharks as all. Oh,
16: believe me, I know all about sharks. I was in real estate in New York. Now, don't win. I want to see some winning, you hear
4: me? Uh-uh-uh, Doctor. Oh, we're doomed. If only we had a stun gun. Stun
7: gun? Holy cow pies, I forgot all about the stun gun. You
4: forgot? Gun <laughs> Eat it. this, you
7: son of a squid!
4: You forgot we had a stun gun?
7: Look, I'm new to all this whole under-the-sea sailor thing. I thought
4: you said you worked for Trump Corp before. You worked for their undersea mining operations, right? Holy
7: heck no. I used to haul bodies out of the sludge pits for Dr. Trump's unnatural gas operations till those uh, got all illegalized. Oh,
4: God, help me.
7: Huh? Wonder what that's about.
22: Low oxygen warning.
7: Uh, Not to worry, we're nearly there.
4: That's what I'm afraid of. Afraid of? Why? I thought you watched Drumpf TV. Did you not watch the episode about the bloody mess?
7: I mostly skipped to the part where he says, You're
4: fired! (laughs) Makes me laugh all the time! So let's start with the name. Who do you think named the ship the bloody mess?
7: the ship's mama, obviously. Uh,
4: back in the days of the slave trade, there was a ship called the Queen Maria. Not the bloody mess. She left Barbados full of rum and gold. Unfortunately for the ship's crew, they decided to partake of said rum. And partake and partake.
14: Sounds fun. And, well,
4: there was a thunderstorm involved. And a coral reef. Sounds fun. Well, up until the point that they played a drinking game involving doing the limbo with the sword.
7: Sounds double fun fun.
4: Up until the point someone's head ended up in the water. Oh, not so fun. It only took a little bit of blood before a shark showed up. And the shark brought friends uh, and more friends. Uh, and the ship kept sinking. And sooner than you knew it, the ship was. E- Eureka! Bloody man! Congratulations. Shall I clap for you? Oh, oh, oh. And, and let me guess—it
7: is haunted, cursed. Any vessel that goes now, the shipwreck will be attacked
4: by sharks. And you win the bonus points.
10: Approaching coordinates.
4: Let's get the treasure and get out of here. Please! Aha! Uh-huh. There! It's gold! <sighs> it really is a fortune! Turn on the extractor cord. Say, if you believe Mr. Trump... He's a doctor! Not really. Okay, say you believe Dr. Trump.
7: Which I do.
4: About being the richest man in the world.
7: Which he is.
4: Why exactly does he need gold from a shipwreck? Isn't he rich already? You sure do ask a lot of
7: questions. What's going on now? Uh, uh, There's something down there under all
4: the gold. What? I I can't see it. Uh, Switching to enhanced darkness view mode. Sweet Jesus! It... That don't look like nothing out this earthly world! Oh, there's a tentacle! And another! And glowing red eyes! Dr. Drump! Hey, Dr. Drump, come in! Yeah, no, 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 that's just to put it
16: down. It's precious. Yes, it's precious. You know, I know all about geology and where things are. Yes! Yeah. How's it going down there? You found the
7: treasure? Uh, yeah, uh, but it's coming
17: along with a monster squid!
16: Of course it is! What? Dr. Drump? When did I say the treasure was the gold? Uh, What? You are but a sacrifice to the Dark Lord the. What do you call him again? Kraken? Kraken! That's right, believe me. Uh, You are a sacrifice to the Dark Lord Kraken. Catch up for now! Here it
15: comes!
7: I'm I'm never gonna see
16: my sweet grandma again! You're fired! <laughs> uh, well friend, looks like we won, huh? Sick of winning yet?
21: So can we put here be monsters on the Google map?
16: Yeah, yeah, why not? With that uh, custom little marker in Drumpf Corpse brand insignia. <laughs> That's why I'm paying you the big bucks, believe me.
21: Of course. And are you certain that the four-dimensional Pan Rover video experience was captured in perfect 6K resolution?
16: Well, that's what my people tell me, and you know they're they're good people. They're, uh, they're they're such people, and they're like you know they're human, so they're like you know people too. Well, this is as you humans would say, time for a drink, rum, sir. Oh, oh, believe me, I don't drink. This is non-alcoholic
21: rum. Come on, we drink for winning.
16: Okay. I like winning. Here's to winning! Here's to winning. <sighs> uh, you know, I owned like 12 rum companies. Uh, there were more, but I ran most of them out of business. But this, oh, whatever this mm-hmm. is, I can buy them too. It's very, it's got like mm-hmm. a, believe me, i uh, I'm feeling. Yeah, I'm, no, I'm no doctor, but. Uh,
21: uh, what the... And now I must go. My associate is here. Mr. Kraken, I am coming! Herr from this beverage will render you completely paralyzed momentarily, better able to contemplate your woes as you slowly drown as the Kraken pulls you into the undertow. No!
16: I, I'm... I'm... I'm me! Help! I will be sure to honor your request that this location be marked with your corporation's logo.
21: Actually, it seems only fitting. Ta-ta for now!
1: That was The Bloody Mass, written, directed, and produced by Fred Greenhalgh. You heard Tanya Milojevic as Sailor 1, Glenn Hibbert as Sailor 2, Tal Minear as Android, Andrew Spooner as Dr. Drumpf, and Fred Greenhalgh as the Kraken, some other voices. Sound effects and music, courtesy of Mind's Eye Productions. This was produced as part of the Audio Fiction with Fred uh, online course. Learn more at dagazmediacom slash audio-fiction-fred. That's dagazmediacom slash audio-fiction-fred. Thanks for listening. Okay, folks, well, that is a wrap wow uh, that happened fast uh, so yeah i'm gonna just be delighted to be back here uh, bl- bl- what am i even saying um so stay tuned uh to bonfire radio uh we'll go back to previous scheduled programming shortly tomorrow is juneteenth um lots of exciting stuff happening at 11:30 a.m to 1 p.m eastern you're gonna have friday feeling with conscious the music super so check that out Um, you know if you liked what you heard and you want to support um, crazy independent radio the best stuff out there go to bond uh, patreon.com patreon.com slash bonfire radio thank you again to tk dutez for giving us a space and thank you to everybody who participated i had tremendous fun making stuff with all y'all and um, hope to keep the good vibes going um yeah be good to other people
0: If you want want to help us us continue continue to celebrate celebrate the depth depth and breadth of audio fiction fiction, for many more episodes episodes to come, come. you can become a patron of Radio Drama Revival at patreon.com slash radiodramarevival. Other than Patreon, you can also support Radio Drama Revival by buying merch at our shop at radiodramarevival.com slash shop. If you'd like to check out Bonfire Radio and their incredible shows, you can do so at bonfireradio.com. Thank you to TK Dutess and everyone at Team Bonfire for making this possible. It's time for our moment of will. I bet you missed them. Hi, listener. I missed you, too. I think, listen, I don't remember how time works at all, but I think this might be my first time talking to you in 2020. Is that right? Maybe. I don't know. Either way, we're like well into 2020. And so I just want to say like, hey, you're doing a good job. You're doing fine. You're doing what you need to do for yourself For others, you know it feels like you probably have a lot on your shoulders, and I'm sure you do. So, be kind to yourself. Remember that you're doing everything that you can. Remember that you're allowed to take days off. Remember that you're allowed to feel like a pile of goo. I know I do. So, hey listener, I love you. And that means it's time for the credits. This episode was recorded in Portland, Oregon, which is the unceded territory of the Chinook Indian Nation, the Cowlitz Indian Tribe, and the Clackamas Tribe. If you are seeking ways in which to donate to Native communities, the Navajo and Hopi community have a relief fund at www.gofundme.com F Navajo Hopi community relief. The link will be in our episode description. Our theme music is Reunion of the Space Ducks by the band Kylo Kaz. You can find their music on Free Music Archive. Our line producer and associate interviews producer is Will Williams. Our senior interviews producer is Eli Hamada-McElveen. Our associate producer is Sean Howard. Our researcher is Heather Cohen. Our social media manager is Anne Baird. Our submissions editor is Rishi Karal. Our executive producers are Fred Greenhouch and David Reinstrom. I'm your host, Elena Fernandez-Collins. And this has been Radio Drama Revival, All storytellers welcome.